Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We live in a day where evil is called good and good is called evil. I mean, let's talk real talk, as they say. Let's get down and dirty. Let's be real. Let's be honest. You know, we live in a day where the Christian is the problem. The Christian is the problem. We're the problem. And so the world calls good evil and evil good. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. More than ever, you're looked down on if you take a stand for God that goes against what the culture is telling you is acceptable. Unfortunately, so much of what the world applauds is directly in opposition to God's Word. Pastor J.D. teaches today on the importance of staying true to God over popular opinion. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Romans, chapter 12, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know, we're told to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes I think, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit this, we rejoice when others weep, and we weep when others rejoice. It's called envy. It's called jealousy. It's called sibling rivalry as brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 19, here it is again. We saw this at the beginning of the chapter. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. I think about I think it's Psalm 37, do not fret when evildoers prosper in their way. The justice of your cause will shine like the noonday. In other words, you watch the evildoers and it seems like, you know, their life goes unchecked and everything's going fine for them. I mean, here they're wicked and you're righteous. And I think of Psalm 73 where the psalmist stumbled. He was having a full-on crisis of faith. I've cleansed my hands in vain. Here I am walking uprightly and righteously, and I'm watching my neighbor who's wicked as wicked can be, and he's prospering. And you look at that and you start envying it and thinking and wishing, man, I wish that my life was like that. And here the proverb is saying, no you don't, for there is no prospect for the evil man. They might shine brightly now, and it looks like everything's going great for them now, but the time is coming when the lamp of the wicked will be put out. And that's what the psalmist in Psalm 73 concluded when he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And the Lord showed them their end when the lamp would be put out. And he just came to his senses. I'm sorry, Lord, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I, I'm walking uprightly and my life is so difficult and so hard and theirs is not. <laughs> Their life seems so good on the outside. But in the end, when it's all said and done, phew, I don't want to be them. 
I want to be them now, but I want to be them in the end. Verse 21, my son, fear the Lord and the King. (laughs) Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity, verse 22, will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin these two can bring. Well, that's an interesting proverb. What is it saying? Here's what I think it's warning us against. Uprisings, uh, anarchy. Don't join in with those or associate with those that would uprise and are given to change because their calamity will rise suddenly. Don't go against the authorities. These are God-given authorities, the Lord and the King. Uh, Romans 13 is a a good uh, chapter to read for those who struggle with the obeying of the laws of the land. Verse 23, these things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, verse 24, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him, but, verse 25, those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. And then verse 26 is interesting. (laughs) He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. What? Okay, let's try to work through this little by little. So, You've got those who are showing partiality in their judgment, and they're actually saying to the wicked, of the wicked, you're righteous. (laughs) No, you're not. You're partial in your judgment. You're skewed in your judgment. And here's what's going to happen if you do that. The people will curse you, and nations will abhor you because that's not right. That's wicked, not righteous. You're calling the wicked righteous. I think about the curse that Isaiah writes about. A curse, a woe will come upon those who call good evil and evil good. And dare I say, sad to say, we live in a day where evil is called good and good is called evil. I mean, Let's talk real talk, as they say. Let's get down and dirty. Let's be real. Let's be honest. You know, we live in a day where the Christian is the problem. The Christian is the problem. We're the problem. And so the world calls good evil and evil good. I was talking with my son. It was my uh, son Elias, we were talking about this. He said, you know, isn't it interesting that if you identify or associate as LGBTQ, I don't know how many other initials, they got all 26 letters in the alphabet now, I don't know what they all stand for, but you get the point. It's almost like you're applauded. You're accepted. I mean, gone are the days when, you know, I came out. Oh, come out. Come out from the closet is the, you know, 
metaphor. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out in the open. The implication being that, you know, I won't be accepted. Oh my, are you kidding me? You're not only accepted now, you're applauded. You're applauded, you're almost rewarded. And here's the Christian. Hey, uh, I'm a Christian. Boo! Right? Am I right? Or am I right? <laughs> Notice I didn't say am I right or am I wrong. No, am I right? Or am I right? Because I'm right. That's the way it is. And that's what this proverb is saying. What's up with verse 26? Who who gives a right answer kisses the lips. Uh, here's a thought. So you know how pleasant kissing somebody that you love very much on the lips is? That's how pleasant it is when you do what's right. You call evil, evil and good, good. You know, in the Middle Eastern culture, this is a cultural dynamic. We um, greet each other. In fact, Paul's going to say this to the Thessalonians. Um, greet each other with a holy kiss. This is a cultural thing where in the Middle East to this day, uh, the way you greet is you kiss on the cheek and then you kiss on the other cheek and then sometimes they keep going. Uh, this was weird one time. I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I was in, uh, where was it? I think it was Egypt. Uh, might have been Jordan, and uh, it was a family member, and uh, they were so excited to see me. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very American, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be, you know, um, have the cultural etiquette. So I knew what to expect. So he embraces me and he kisses me on the cheek, and then he kisses me on the other cheek, and I thought we were done. So I start pulling away, not so fast. He kisses me on the cheek again, kisses me on the other cheek. I mean, this went on and on and on. I'm like, enough already. So the kissing on the cheek is different than a kissing on the lips. The kissing on the lips is very different. And I think that's what this proverb is saying, is that it is so pleasurable, it is so pleasant, it is so pleasing, as pleasing as a kiss, not on the cheek, but on the lips. Verse 27. You talked about the book of Proverbs being the best manual on business ever written. The best book ever written on business. And really across the board in every arena of life. And verse 27 is a good example of that. Listen to what it says. Prepare your outside work make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. And I'll add, start your family. In other words, first things first. Get a job, get established, and then you start building your life. You start building your house. You start building your family. Uh, you know what's sad? In this day and age in which we live, we've got it all backwards. First, young people will have babies, and then they'll move in together, and then they'll start thinking, hey, maybe I need a job, right? Again, I'm going to say it, you'll forgive me. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> and this is, the proverb is talking about priorities. Where are your priorities? We say to our young children. Where are your priorities? You need to get your priorities in order. What's the matter with you? First things first. 
You need to get a job. (laughs) Prepare your outside work. You need to start earning an income and then make fit for yourself in the field. You need to get established. Then you can get married and get a place to live and start having children. In that order. (laughs) In that order. That's what this proverb is saying. Verse 28. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? Kind of a rhetorical question. Verse 29. Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. In other words, don't repay evil with evil. Paul says, do not pay evil with evil. Do not try to mete out revenge. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. It reminds me of a Oswald Chambers quote that has always stuck with me over the years. In fact, it's really uh, been a game changer for me in every aspect of my life. It goes like this. It's not, have you been wronged? It's have you wronged changes the whole complexion of the situation. It's not, you wronged me. No, it's, have I wronged you? I think about a marriage, in the marriage relationship, where, you know, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. And then here you have this standoff between husband and wife, and sometimes the silent treatment will go on for days until somebody finally is the first one to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Don't look at me. I'm the pastor. I have a perfect marriage, right? Don't talk to my wife. She'll tell you about this. But uh, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. They need to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to say. You know, the three hardest words to say in the English language I was, right? I was, I was wrong. What'd you say? I said, I was wrong. Okay. All right. It's about time. Verse 30, please allow, and we'll finish out the chapter and we'll bring it to a close. But as I read verses 30 through 34, allow the Holy Spirit to paint this picture on the canvas of your imagination. This is very picturesque. And I'll just maybe kind of fill in a couple of blanks here. I went by the field of a lazy man. So you're driving in your car, and you're driving, uh, and you, you, you see, and you go by, and you drive by this field. And you're looking out your window, and you drive by the vineyard of this man devoid of understanding. And what do you see as you're driving by? (laughs) And there it was, verse 31, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Buss up, if you prefer. When I saw it, verse 32, I considered it well. Stop right there. 
Ah, he considered it well. He wanted to learn from it, and that's what he says. I looked on it and received instruction. Lord, what can I learn from this? I'm driving by this this lazy man's field, and I mean this field is overgrown with weeds. It hasn't been tended to in who knows how long. Lord, what can I learn from this? You know, a mark of spiritual maturity in every situation in life is ask the Lord with an open heart and an open mind, Lord, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, okay, this is a teachable moment. And I want to be teachable, Lord. I want to receive instruction. I want to consider this and look at this and receive from you that which you desire to teach me in and through this. That's what the proverb is saying. Oh, so what did you learn? What was the lesson? What was the takeaway as you drove by this vineyard, this field of this lazy man, this man devoid of understanding. This is what I learned. This was the lesson. This was the instruction. And I didn't even have to pay tuition for this. This came only at the cost of the gas in my car to drive by this field. This is good. Here's what I learned. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. (sighs) So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. That's what I learned from that. Wow, that's an educational field trip, man. You're just driving in your car and you pass by this vineyard and this field and That's what you got out of it? That's good. Oh, would to God that we would be those who would learn, be instructed, receive the instruction, and consider well things like this. One more thing here, we'll bring it to an end. I never thought of this, and then I just heard this recently, and I never thought of this before. It really makes sense. Um, Jesus, when He called the disciples, every single one of them was hard working. They all had a job. They were all employed. (laughs) They were all working. The point being, He never called a lazy man. Think about that. Let that sink in. He called the ones who were working hard. All hard work leads to profit, mere talk only to poverty, as we already have seen in the Proverbs. I know we talked about this as well. Maybe it's uh, worth repeating one more time. But work was blessed before the fall. And did you know that we're going to be working in heaven? Oh, it's not by the sweat of our brow. It's not work as we know it now. Adam and Eve were given work to do there in the garden prior to when 
the fall came and sin entered the world. Work was blessed by God before the fall. Now that was, of course, part of the curse when sin entered the world. We've seen this throughout Proverbs. We're going to see it again before we finish the book of Proverbs. But um, how do I say this without sounding uh, mean? I don't want to sound mean, but um, God is not interested in lazy people. Can I say that that way? I just did. God is not interested in lazy people. And uh, it seems that God takes notice. How many times have we read about the slugger? I love that word. It's one of those words that sounds like what it is. A slugger, you sluggard. Ooh, I don't want to be a sluggard. Yeah, you lazy, you're lazy. Now this is not a license to be a workaholic, overwork. No. In fact, overwork is a symptom of a deeper problem of not trusting God. Overwork. So there's a balance there. Well, there's an important takeaway from this chapter, and it's one of those simple truths that it's almost, it's one of those things where you, you think about it, and it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. It's that of practical wisdom, if applied to our lives, can totally change our lives. I mean, a a lot of little can make a lot. Just applying the practical truths and the wisdom that we have here in the book of Proverbs, just applying it can make such a huge change in our lives. One application of one simple truth from God's Word can have a profound effect on how we live our lives. And the sway, and what I mean by sway is minus 10 and plus 10 is 20. You're on opposite sides of the spectrum, as it were. So you're experiencing the negative consequences of your folly, minus 10, and then you apply the practical wisdom of God's truth plus 10, and that's not a change of 10, that's a difference of 20. You follow me? That's the amount of change that applying this wisdom can have on our lives. Just a simple truth can have such a profound change and impact. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, and clicking on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? 
we want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.